0: You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. And amen, man. I'm excited to finish up this series. Now, I I gotta tell you what my goal is today. My goal today is I want to encourage you. I want you to leave here encouraged, but at the same time, I really want you to be challenged to do something different with your life. And when I say do something different, I don't mean um, that you have some checklist that you're going to check off. To Do something different. I mean that when we leave here, after we wrap up this series, that our life has really shifted to Jesus. That we're truly becoming more and more like Him. Not that we're trying to do better, right? Because we... We really just can't do better, if we're going to be honest. We're, just, we're really not good people apart from Jesus. Amen? So, I'm going to give you an example of this. <clears throat> I have three kids. I talk about them often. I usually don't give names. I'm giving names this time because it just makes the story that much better. Uh, but I was, I was talking to Ansley last night, who's my middle daughter. She is much like me. Uh, She's very, very headstrong, very stubborn. Um, But I told her to go get a bath last night, and she had an attitude and said, you know, no way, Jose. Like, that's just how she talks. So she's like, no way, Jose. I'm like, hey, we don't talk to our parents like that. So she said this. She said, you're right. No, sir, I'm not going to get a bath. And I'm like, okay, so at least we made it to respectful disobedience, right? So it was disrespectful disobedience, then it was at least respectful disobedience. It's still disobedience. That's the, that's the problem, right? But it got me thinking, a lot of times we we try to be really respectful to God as we disobey Him. Like we, we want it to, to seem like we're, we're listening. We want it to seem like we're trying to do something. So we're really respectful when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, except we don't obey what He tells us to do. And I think that, one of the ways we can shift that is to shift our perspective on where we are in life. There's some of you that you get up every single day and you go to a job that you love. There's some of you that get up every single day and go to a job that you don't love. There's, there's some of you that get up every day and wish you were going to a job. There's some of you that get up every day and you're like, I don't know why they call these little humans blessings because they don't act like blessings. And I think if we could just shift our perspective on where we are right now in life, that God can begin to use us in a way that we've never been used before. Because we're shifting everything to Him. That's what this entire series has been about. Next week we're going to begin a brand new series. We're going to go through the book of Song of Solomon together. We're going to talk about love. We're going to talk about relationships. It's going to be PG-13, one week maybe, PG-17. If that's a thing, I will let y'all know so your, your kids might not want to be in here for that. But so far in this series, we've looked at how we can shift our satisfaction to Jesus, how we can really be satisfied in life and nothing else but Him, that He is true satisfaction. We looked at how we can shift our home to Him, how we can build a family that is centered around Jesus. We looked at our influence and how we can be a godly influencer instead of a worldly influencer. And last week we looked at giving God our first and our best in every area of our life. So we're going we're gonna to wrap this all up and again I want to encourage you here at the beginning of this message but then I'm really going to challenge you because I'm challenged by this as well. We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 16 if you have your Bibles. But I want to I want to do something that we don't do all the time here, but there's just it's something that I think we need to do today because there's a lot going on, right? There's a lot going on in our world. There's a lot going on with just families in our, in our church. So I want us to pray together corporately just over some of these things. I want us to really just, just go to the throne room of heaven and petition God to show up in ways that He can only show up. And I'm imagining, I'm just going to guess that each person in this room right now, you have something that's weighing weighing on you. There's something going on in your life, whether you've told anybody about it or not. And what I want us to do together as a family, as a body of believers, is just go to Jesus and just just ask Him to intervene like only He can. Let's trust that He's going to do the work that only He can do. And let's expect the Spirit to fall and to move in this place. So that as we open up the Word of God, the Word of God moves and it's it's very clear that it will never return void because it's living and active. And it's not because I'm up here talking. It's because the Holy Spirit is who He says He is. So let's pray together as a family. God, we love You. God, we pray for those who are hurting in this moment. God, we pray that your, Your Spirit falls upon them God, and they feel Your strength. They feel that You are there. But even if they don't feel it, God, I pray that they trust that You are who You say You are. God, I pray for those who are, who are struggling with, with sin. I pray for those who are struggling with emotions. Those who are struggling physically in this place right now. God, I pray that You touch them in a way that You've never touched them before, God. And I pray that Your Spirit just falls in this place. That You move like only You can move. God we trust you that you will do the work that you can do We praise saints in Jesus name. Amen. So we're going to read a, a lot of verses just well just 13, but we're going to read verses one through 13 of First Samuel chapter 16. It says, the Lord said to Samuel, "How long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go, I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite.'" And he said, Peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees, not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Verse 8. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Now, this is a lot. I just want to give you the context of this. Because that's a lot and it's a lot of names. This is what was going on. Saul was the king. Because the people said, hey, we want to choose our own king. So God says, okay, if you want to choose your own king, go ahead. They choose him. He's not a good king. So God says, okay, now I'm going to choose the king for you. And he tells Samuel, hey, go. And I want you to go to Jesse. And I want you to anoint the son that I show you will be the next king. So this is what happens. He goes. And Jesse sends all seven of his oldest sons. And God's like, nope, nope. Nope, nope. And then he asked, are these all your sons? Basically saying, is this all you got? Because God said no to all of these. And I know that God's not a liar, and he said we were going to anoint one of your sons, so what else you got? Because these seven ain't it. right? That's what he says. And he says, well, they're still the youngest one, but he's out tending to the sheep. He says, well, call them because it's got to be him if that's all you got. So David, who is mentioned more times in Scripture than anybody else, comes from the field, and he's anointed to be the next king. That's it in a nutshell. But, there's a lot of things that we could take from this passage. And I want to give you three points about this. And the first point, if you're taking notes, is this. You are anointed for your assignment. Now, I want to tell you what that means. Anointed literally means that you're set apart by God to do something. And you may be sitting there saying, well, I don't really have an assignment. And I, and I hope that if you could just think back over the last five weeks, you know what your assignment is as a Christ follower, and it is to engage in the mission of Jesus. To make a difference for the kingdom. That is your assignment. If you are a Christ follower, if you are a believer, your assignment is to make a difference for the kingdom. And I want you to know, I want to encourage you, that you are anointed for that Assignment. Now, we see that there was some oil. He, he anointed David with this oil. But I want you to know something. That it wasn't the oil that set David apart. It wasn't the oil that anointed him. In verse 13 it says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And then it says this, And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David, listen, you are anointed because the Spirit of God lives within you. You are set apart as a believer in Jesus, as a Christ follower, because the Spirit of God lives in you. And because you are filled with the Spirit of God, you are set apart to do what He has called you to do. And you may still be sitting there like, yeah man, you just don't know me. I'm not qualified or skilled to do anything. And I would say, hey, I'm not either. But God takes care of that. And there's some some people sitting in this room right now and you know what God's called you to do and you just haven't said yes yet because you don't think that you are qualified and skilled to do it. And I want to encourage you, kind of, and say, yeah, you're not qualified, but the Spirit who lives in you is qualified and He will lead you to complete your assignment. You are anointed. For your assignment. Man, you are set apart because you have the Spirit of God living in you. You are set apart to do what He's called you to do and for some of you, it's a very specific calling. For some of you, it's to serve and impact kids. I don't know why anybody would ever want to do that, but some people like to go back there with those kids and teach them about Jesus, man. And God through His Spirit, He He anoints people for that assignment. Some of you like to say hey to people at the door and He anoints you for that assignment. Some of you you like to go and you like to do outreach in the community and He anoints you for that assignment. Some of you like to sing and play instruments. I like to do that. He has not anointed me for that assignment. But He has anointed some of you for that assignment. Now be encouraged this morning by the fact that if you have said yes to Jesus, that the Spirit of God lives inside of you and because of that, you are prepared to do what He has called you to do. Don't wait until you think you have it all figured out because you will never do it. You take that step that He's calling you to take and you allow Him to do what only He can do. Point number two is this. Just because you aren't visible doesn't mean you're not valuable. Here we have David who wasn't even included right, in the party. He was outside. All the other family members, all the other brothers, they were at the party, at the celebration for the anointing. And David wasn't even invited to this party. He was out in the field tending to the sheep. And we see in verse 11, Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest. But behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes. So this guy who's not invited to the party now has a standing invitation. Everybody's waiting on him. Because you don't have to be visible to anybody else in this world to be valuable to your heavenly Father. He cares about you. He wants to, to have an intimate relationship with you. And those of you who feel left out, I want you to be encouraged this morning that God doesn't care about all your friendships. God doesn't care that you're popular. None of that matters because He tends to use the misfits and the outcasts to do His work. Now, if you are quite cool popular, He can still use you. That's cool. But He just specializes in using, using the misfits and the outcasts and those who don't really feel loved. One commentator said this, you may not be intellectual or or well thought of in your family circle. You may be despised by others for your faith in Christ. Perhaps you had only a little share in the love of your parents as David did. But remember that those who are rejected of men often become beloved of the Father. And you don't have to gain the acceptance of anybody in this world because you are living for the audience of one. And that's it. Just because you aren't seen doesn't mean that you can't be used by God. And maybe for some of you in this room, you just feel insignificant. You feel like you're just not that important. You feel like that you're not really seen by anyone. You don't need some kind of special audience to do what God's called you to do. You only need Him. So be encouraged by that this morning. The next time we see David in Scripture is in verse 19. It says, therefore, Saul, Saul's having some bad dreams and he wants somebody to, to do something for him. And he says, therefore, Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son David, who is with the sheep. And this is, this is where we're going to land this morning and this is where we're going we're gonna to challenge. But we see that the next time that we see David in Scripture, he's still doing the same exact thing he was doing before he was anointed. He's still with the sheep. He didn't get a new title. He didn't get a new position. He didn't get a promotion. He was doing the same exact thing he was doing before. So point number three is this. You don't always need a new position. You just need a renewed purpose. So I want to challenge us this morning that we shift our perspective Jesus so that our purpose becomes renewed. That we don't need a bigger and better title or a bigger and better position or a different role. No, we need a bigger and better purpose. We need a, a greater purpose to make a difference for the kingdom. Not doing something new, but doing the same thing we've been doing with a new purpose. With a different perspective. Because David was still with the sheep. And you may think that, man, well, I need a new job, and that's cool. If you need a new job, get one. That's not, that's not really what I want you to, to focus on. I want you to focus on God has you where you are right now for a specific reason. Have you shifted your perspective to realize that you are where you are so that God could use you in this season? And are you being used by Him in this season? Are you looking at your circumstances and saying, God, how are you using me in this season? What do you want me to do? How can I be a godly influencer for you where I am right now? Or do we just complain about the season that we're in? Do we just complain about the the job that we go to? Do we just complain about the house that we live in? Do we just complain about all the, the stuff that's going on around us, because this is what I would argue is that God isn't really... His his language isn't complaining. His language is worship. So when we get to these places, we should begin to worship Him. We see in Job, when Job is so angry at what's going on, his anger leads him to fall on his face and worship God. And we need to be people of worship. We need to be people that, that... really focus on what God is doing right now in our lives. We have to shift our perspective from complaining about where we are to understanding that God is doing something in the season. Because we see in the life of David that David's years keeping the sheep, they weren't just waiting time, they were training time for him. Because when he became king, we see in, in Psalm 78, it says this. Verse 70 says, He chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfolds, From following the nursing ooze, he, he brought him to shepherd Jacob his people, Israel his inheritance. With, with upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hand. So David, his years as a shepherd, we're training so when he became the king, he would shepherd his people the right way. So maybe in this season of your life, as you're waiting for God to do something, instead of just seeing it as waiting and waiting, and we don't like to wait. We just don't. We like what we want when we want it. We hate to wait, right? We're Amazon Prime generation. We just like that. But maybe instead of complaining about the waiting, we realize that God is training us to be who He's called us to be so that when we get to the next season of life, we're prepared to do what He's called us to do because He's been training us in the seasons before. Man, we get in this, this mindset and this posture of I need more, I want more, I need better, I want better, I need greater, I want greater. God's saying, hey man, when am I going to be enough for you? When is the relationship with me going to be enough for you? When is my grace really going to be sufficient for you in your life? When are you going to find contentment in me, not in your circumstances? Because when we begin to shift all of these different aspects of our life, We become content in who He is. And the situations and circumstances around us, they don't change our contentment. They don't change the joy that we have in Him. Now, emotions will change. There's things that do change, but what doesn't change is who He is and who He's called us to be. And maybe in this season of your life, you are training for the next season. But we can't just train and complain and train and complain and train and complain. I don't know how many of how many of you have training at work. Let's just let's just get, get interactive a little bit. Okay. So my least favorite part of work is training. I'm just gonna be honest with you, because I'll just say it. I do have some people from work that watch online. We love you. Um just mute this real quick. My 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 least favorite part of, of work is training, right? is sitting through training because it's boring i'm just going to be honest and we have some trainers here so my trainers here your your training's probably not boring it's probably awesome but the training that i go through at work right is it can be boring and it's like man why do i need this is this important why do i have to sit here for eight hours i'm hungry i need another diet mountain dew i gotta go pee there's a lot right and then halfway through the training, it's like, yeah, dude, I don't even know what they've been talking about for the last four hours because, like, I'm ready for Mexican. I've read, like, all this stuff, man, it's just going through my head. And then I get to the end, and it's like, man, this was pretty important stuff. Like, we wouldn't have to train on this if it wasn't important. And although I don't think it's important, it's because maybe I don't really know the big picture of everything that's going on. I have my mind focused on my specific duties and all this other stuff that plays into it. I'm really not concerned about that, and I complain and complain and complain and complain. And I don't get out of the train of what I should get out of it. And I think that's what we do in life: is as we go through these seasons and we complain and complain and complain, we miss out on what God's trying to do in our life. We miss out on the training opportunity. What if David would have said, nah man, I've been anointed by God. The Spirit is now on me. I'm done with the sheep. I'm done being a shepherd. I don't want to do that anymore. I'm going to complain and complain and complain. And then when he finally becomes king, he has no idea how to shepherd because he didn't do it in this season. But he didn't do that. He went right back to doing the same exact thing. He just had a different purpose. A different purpose perspective. And I think for us, if we can get to that place in our life and we can change our perspective and our purpose is renewed, that man, we see God begin to show us and reveal to us all this stuff that He's doing. Are you complaining or are you worshiping? What are you doing in this season of your life? I'm afraid that the church as a whole, we've gotten to a place where we want a certain number of people in the auditorium, we want certain types of chairs, we want certain type of music, we want all of this fancy programming, but we've lost sight of the mission of God, which is to reach people for Jesus. We've lost sight of what he's called us to do as the church, which is to equip people to go out and share the gospel. And it's because we've complained so much about all these different things and God says, "Man, I'm just trying to I'm trying to train you up. I'm trying to show you something. I'm trying to do something new in you. Stop complaining and just let me work." So man, that's my challenge for us. Let's stop complaining in the season that we're in and let's allow God to do what only He can do. And I believe if we can change our perspective and we get a renewed purpose, man, we wake up in the morning and we go to the same job we were at Friday. But man, when we go in the morning, we're going to go with a completely different perspective. We're going to go with a renewed purpose that, man, we're here for a reason. God's doing something in me. And then when all these situations arise at work or wherever you go during the week that you really don't want to deal with, man, instead of complaining about it, let's just worship through it. And let's watch God do something special in us. And then I believe the shift that we really want to see, we'll begin to live in that shift. That 2023 really will be the year that we fully engage in the mission of making a difference for the kingdom. And it's because we allow God to do what only He can do and we get out of the way. But we find our satisfaction in Him. He becomes the one thing that drives everything in our life. commentator said, God's choice of David shows that we don't have to quit our jobs and enter into full-time ministry to be people after God's own heart. We don't need to be famous or prominent to be people after God's own heart. We don't need to be respected or even liked by others to be people after God's own heart. We don't need status, influence, power, the respect or approval of men, or great responsibilities to be people after God's own heart. Would you Describe yourself as a man or a woman after God's own heart. Because that's how David is described. Because God says he's going he's to choose someone. And in 1 Samuel 13, it says, The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people. This is before he anointed David. So he says, God... He's going to find someone after his own heart and he's going to appoint him to be the commander of his people. And then he anoints David, which shows us that David was a man after God's own heart. Are you chasing Jesus? Are you chasing Jesus? Or are all these other things in your life more important than Him? What do you need to lay at the feet of Jesus? in order to shift your perspective, to shift your satisfaction, to shift your home, to shift your leadership, to shift your first and your best, what do you need to lay at the feet of Jesus? And say, man, I'm ready to chase you with everything that I am. Because we all have something. We all have something to lay at the feet of Jesus and say, man, I'm I'm tired of doing it like this. I'm tired of living life like this. I'm tired of always being upset. I'm tired of always being angry. I'm tired of always allowing this unforgiveness, this bitterness, this whatever it is. I'm just tired of this just tearing my life apart. How can I lay this at the feet of Jesus? This is how. You just cry out to Him and say, I can't do it anymore. I need you. Let's admit in this place this morning that we are people of desperation and we're desperate for Him. Because all these other things that we try to fulfill our lives with, man, they fail and they fail miserably. They just can't do what God can do in your life. None of it. There's so many things this world wants you to grab a hold to. There's so many lies the enemy wants you to believe. and None of that, none of that will fill you. Only Jesus. And this morning, I believe He's calling us to shift our perspective and our purpose to Him. To really let Him be the one thing that drives everything. And then there's a next step of faith for you to take in this place. And I don't know what your next step is, but I know that you have one to take. We all have a next step to take, and we get to take those steps of faith together. Your step looks different than my step. but Man, we're going to walk, we're going to step together. So that as we shift individually, we shift collectively and God changes a community because of the faithfulness of a group of people that are chasing after Him. And we're not here. We're not here to fill this room. We're not here to fill up Impact Kids. No, we're here to make a difference in our city for the kingdom. That's the reason that we do all of this. We do this because we want Him to be glorified. We want Him to be made famous not in this room out there in this city where there's people that are hurting and broken and lost and they need the hope of a savior that we know but until we shift our perspective and our purpose and our lives to Jesus and we'll never have the impact that we're called to have in this city man and I want you to commit this morning that you want to shift your perspective and your purpose so that you can make a difference for the kingdom. Let's stand together this morning. We're gonna we're gonna close with this. And man, I, I want to be really honest with you because I, I do want you to be encouraged and I want you to know that if you've said yes to Jesus and you you have a relationship with Him and you are anointed for your assignment. Be encouraged by that. Be encouraged by the fact that the Spirit is all you need to do what He's called you to do. That He's not going to call you to do it and then not lead you through it. Like He's just not going to do that. So be encouraged by that. Be encouraged by the fact that David wasn't invited to the party and then he had a standing invitation because... He was it. He was the one. So if you feel invisible this morning, if you feel insignificant, I want you to know that you're valuable to your Heavenly Father. That you're so valuable to your Heavenly Father that He sent Jesus on a rescue mission for you. And I don't know if anybody else has ever sent anyone on a rescue mission for you or not. But I know that no one's ever come on a rescue mission for me. I'm not sure anybody would come on a rescue mission for me. But the truth is this, that God loved you so much, even in your sinfulness, that He sent Jesus on a rescue mission. To reconcile you back to the Father. To say, hey, I know that your sin, you, you, you messed it all up, man that sin entered the world and we were torn away from an intimate personal relationship with God. And he said, I don't want that. So I'm going to send my first and my best in Jesus on a rescue mission for you. And that should give you encouragement to know that you are valuable. Because if you weren't valuable, He wouldn't do that for you. So if you feel insignificant this morning, then you just tell the devil to shut up because those are lies from the enemy. You're not insignificant and you're not invisible. That you are valuable to the kingdom of God. Be encouraged by that this morning. Then I want us to be challenged. I want us to, to stop complaining about the seasons of life that we get in. And I want us to worship through those. I want us to shift our perspective and renew our purpose so that we can truly begin to live a life that God has called us to live. That, that man we may get up and do the same exact thing tomorrow, but man, we're doing it with a greater sense of purpose. We're doing it knowing that God's using us to make a difference for the kingdom. It's not just something that we have to do, it's something that we have the opportunity to. To do because God has placed us where we are for this season. Let's shift our perspective. Let's renew our purpose. And let's begin to fully engage in the mission of making a kingdom difference. Not only in this community, but everywhere that we go. That we truly become godly influencers. That we lead people toward Jesus, not away from Jesus. And I don't know if you want that, right? I want that for me. And I want that for each and every one of you in this place. And what I'm going to ask you to do this morning as we we respond, is I'm going to ask you to make a commitment this morning. That you commit to shift your perspective and renew your purpose. And there's some of you that Man, you you need to come, you need to come forward, and you need to lay some stuff at the feet of Jesus. There's some of you that you just maybe you've never said yes to Jesus, and today is the day that you want to give your life to him. Today is the day that you you admit that you're a sinner in need of a savior, that you believe that he's done everything necessary for your salvation, and you commit to follow him wherever you. He leads, and you confess this morning that He is the Lord of your life. But for everyone in here, man, I challenge you to make a commitment. And maybe for some of you, you've made this commitment over and over and you just never stick to it, and I would say, hey, you you can't. You can't do it. So instead of committing that you'll do it, commit that you're going to allow the Spirit to move into work. Your life. And for some of you, it'll be the first time that you make this commitment. You've given your life to Jesus, but you haven't taken those next steps, and you want to commit for the first time ever that you're going to follow Him wherever He leads. Whatever it is for you, man, I'm praying that there's not respectful disobedience in this place, but there's respectful obedience to the Spirit. And you do what the Spirit's leading you. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.